Good morning. Let's turn in our, in our Bibles, if we can, to 2 Samuel, the 6th chapter. I'll give you a couple seconds to do that. We're going to be reading from the 12th verse to the 23rd verse. 2 Samuel, chapter 6. Here's what it says. Now King David was told, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of the Lord. So David went to bring up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. Wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. While he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michal, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. They brought the ark of the Lord, set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before the Lord. After he had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord Almighty. Then he gave a loaf of bread, a, cup of, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins to each person in the crowd of Israelites, both men and women, and all the people went to their homes. When David returned home to bless his household, Michal, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, How the king of Israel has distinguished himself today. Going around half naked in full view of the slave girls of his servants as any vulgar fellow would. David said to Michal, It was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord and I will become even more undignified than this. And I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. And Michal, daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. Let's pray. Father, today we want to hear from you, Lord. No one in this room is really interested or should be interested in my opinion. What we want to do is know what your Bible says, what your scriptures say, the word of God. We want to look at this and we want to draw lessons from it, Lord. And I pray that that would happen today. Let us see this as a model of praise and worship that we can emulate, Lord. And Father, I pray that this would speak to every one of us, no matter where we are in our lives with you, in, in this walk with you, Lord. And no matter where we are in our attitude and our practice of worshiping and praising you. Let something in this message speak to every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, Pastor Mark started a sermon series entitled All In. And that sermon series is all about having this commitment, this all-in commitment to God, and, and then how we actually live out that commitment in our lives. And through the next few weeks, we're going to have sermons on different aspects of living all in. This week, I'm going to be speaking specifically on worshiping and praising God all in. As I started thinking about um, this topic and how to approach it biblically, I, I felt very strongly, I just didn't want to get up here and, and, and talk about my ideas and my philosophy of praise and worship. You know, you don't really need to hear that. What, what we need to hear is what the Bible says. And the Lord brought my attention, I mean, so quickly to the story of David bringing the ark into Jerusalem. And I want to look at that this morning as a model of all-in worship. Everything David did, it seems, 
was all in everything. And we're going to talk about that a little later, but that was just his persona. And certainly it, it, it came out in this specific incident incident. Now I, I want to give you a little background first. The Ark of the Covenant or the Ark of the Lord was a wooden box covered in gold. Now I think everyone's familiar with um, Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? Um, so we have everyone, everyone, even if you've never stepped inside a church, you kind of know what the Ark maybe is. But it was this box made out of wood and it was, it was plated in gold. On top of it, there were two cherubim or angels facing each other and their wings touched together. And that was called the mercy seat. On each corner, there were some gold rings and Levites would put long poles through those rings and that's how they would carry the ark. They would put it up on their shoulders and carry it. That's how God commanded them to do it. So for the last 60 years up until this story, the ark had resided in a town called Kiriath-Jerim or Baal-Judah. Now David had recently conquered Jerusalem and he made it the capital city of the kingdom of Israel. And after he did that, he wanted to bring the ark into Jerusalem because the ark represented God's presence. After the ark was created, the Levites would carry the ark in front of the people of Israel. Back in Moses' day when they were wandering through the wilderness, the ark always went before them. And it was very, very precious to the Israelites. So David wanted to bring it into Jerusalem. And his first attempt at this was really disastrous. It was a hot mess. Instead of carrying it on poles, they put the ark on an ox cart. And they took off for Jerusalem. And at some point, the ark started to slip off of the cart. And there was a man named Uzzah who was helping to drive the cart. He reached up to steady the ark, and as soon as he touched it, he died. He died instantly. And David was so both angry and fearful when this happened. He said, how, how can I do this? How can I take this ark to Jerusalem? And he found a home nearby. Uh, it was owned by a man named Obed-Edom. And they took it to his house, and they left it there for three months. David just said, I'm, I'm done with it. Well, now we get to this story. David had heard that God had really, really blessed Obed-Edom's home. I mean, his presence was dwelling there. I can't even imagine what it would be like to have the ark of the Lord in my living room for three months. Yeah, can you imagine in God's presence? I wouldn't go to bed. Like at night, I think I'd go down and sit and look at it. But now that brings us to our story. David's going to do another attempt. And this time he's going to do it the way God had, had prescribed to do it. And if we look in the, the book of First Chronicles, there's another more detailed description of this activity than we find in Second Samuel. And it talks in more detail about what David did. And he put together this this tremendous processional I mean it was really something it said he assembled first of all he assembled all of Israel to come to Jerusalem now that that's a lot of people I mean that's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people that all came down to Jerusalem for this event I've I've run the Chicago Marathon several times they say there are a million spectators at that event and I always have found it overwhelming when I did that. There are, there are a million people out here on these streets watching just people run around in shorts, you know. There were even more people than that at this event watching the ark come in. So he had all these people assembled, and he had the Levites organize a bunch of singers. So they had a big old choir out there singing. And then they got musicians, and they had lyres, which are like a, a kind of small harp. 
They had harps, they had trumpets, they had cymbals, and they had ram's horns. And it says that uh, he also had all the elders of Israel, and he had military leaders. The way the Bible describes it is commanders of a thousand. So I guess maybe in, in, in our terms with, with, with the army, maybe that would be like lieutenant colonels or something around that rank, I suppose. They had all these military leaders with them. And it said they, they, they came into Jerusalem with rejoicing. All these people are just celebrating and the, the horns are blowing and the choir's singing. It says David and the Levites and the singers were all in linen robes. They had choir robes, right? So they're all in linen robes. And it said David wore an ephod, a linen ephod, over his robe. Now what that was was, a, was an article of clothing that, that the priests wore. And it was very simple. It went over... Like, like front and back, if you, if you can kind of picture that. And a linen ephod would be, would be rather plain, rather unassuming. Some were very elaborate. The ones that the high priest wore had like jewels on the shoulders and it had all these colored threads in it, even gold threads in it, and very elaborate. But it seems as if David was wearing just a very simple linen ephod over his robe. And it says, as they, as they proceeded to Jerusalem... David danced before the Lord with all his might. Can you imagine what that must have looked like? Okay, I can't. I'm not a dancer. Um, my wife would agree with that. I'm, <laughs> I'm not. So I can imagine, it's, that's like a personal thing. I can't imagine if I was like jumping and running and dancing before with all my might. But that's what David was doing. I mean, it had to be quite a, quite a spectacle but that's the way David was, right? I mean, he was intense. He was passionate. David was all in. So while this is going on, his wife, Michal, who, who is Saul's daughter, Saul at this time was, King Saul was dead. It says, watched him from a window, leaping and dancing and celebrating. And get this, and it says she despised him in her heart. Okay, all you married people, or all you people in a relationship with boyfriend and girlfriends, this is not like, and my husband really embarrasses me sometimes. You know, is he doing that again, right? Like, like, like the, the plaid shirt and the striped shorts or, or whatever, right? Um, it's not like that at all. She despised him in her heart. This is her husband. So there were a lot of activities in. After the ark came in, they celebrated. David had commissioned a, a, a psalm. And if you look at First Chronicles, there's this beautiful psalm that he said, that day. It's a beautiful psalm. And, you know, all of Israel was there. And they said, amen, praise the Lord. And, and everybody was praising God. And, and he sent them off with gifts of food. And whew, finally the day was done. The ark was in Jerusalem. It was in the tent where it was supposed to be. And um, he goes home now to bless his family. What a day he's had, right? He's had this awesome day. And, and, and he goes in to bless his family and McCall, it says, mocked him. She mocked his, his wife, mocked him. Said, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, going around half naked in full view of the slave girls of his servants, as any vulgar fellow would. In some translations, it says, she said, he uncovered himself in front of his servant slave girls. Now, there's a lot of unpacking we can do with this story, and I've heard, I've heard you know, various sermons on different aspects of it. What I want to do this morning, let's look at this story 
as a model for how we can be all in worshipers and praisers. That's how I want to approach this. So the first thing, to be an all-in worshiper, you must worship and praise before the Lord. Um, that's what it said. It said that the writer said David did this, and then David himself even said this to Michal. He was celebrating before the Lord. He wasn't just partying, right? He wasn't just, like, excited and having a good time, you know, like, like you might at a wedding reception or something. It, it wasn't like that. He was purposely and purposefully doing this before God. It was intentional. He was doing something very intentional before God. And this is how we should worship and praise God. An all-in worshiper will never just praise and worship because he or she is, you know, caught up in the music or caught up in the moment. That person, when that person sings or claps their hands, raises the hands, stands, kneels, shouts, or, or yeah, even, even dancing, when that person does that, he or she is doing it all before the Lord for an audience of one. No matter how many people are there, doing it for an audience of one. Soren Kierkegaard was a Danish theologian and philosopher. And he stated that the model for worship to borrow from the theater should essentially be like this, and I'm paraphrasing, have the audience as the performers, the worship leader, if I can use a modern term, us up here, are the prompters. So guess who the audience is? God. Yeah, the audience of one. You know, too often we come into our, our church services and it's more the conventional model of a theater, right? You know, performers and an audience, and maybe God is prompting the performers. But this is what Soren Kierkegaard said the model should be. Now, I don't agree with all his philosophy. Please don't walk out of here thinking, you know, I think Dan likes Kierkegaard. What? No, but I think he got this right. I do. I think he got this really right. Um, the worship leader and the band, those of us up here, are just prompting the congregation. And when we are in the congregation, we're not watching as an audience, but we're performing. And our audience is an audience of one. It's God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. That's, and we need to, I don't want to belabor this, but we really, really need to embrace this model when we come in and worship and praise God. Next, to be an all-in worshiper, you must humble yourself. David took off his royal garments and wore the simple linen robe. Now, you'll recall, Michal accused David of uncovering himself. I've actually heard Christians say that when David danced, he danced in his underwear at best, or he danced naked at worst. Now, I'm sorry, but that just didn't happen. And if you just read the account in 2 Samuel, you may get that feeling, but the account of this in 1 Chronicles is really clear. David had a linen robe on. So it wasn't the fact that he was uncovered, he was naked, or he was scantily clad. The issue was he had taken off his kingly robes, and Michal, who, you know, her father had been a king, and now she was married to a king, she despised that. She despised that terribly. David humbled himself before God. Now, some people have problems doing that personally, right? Some people have problems seeing other people do it, like Michal. She had a problem seeing her husband do that. She went so far as to say he was acting this way before 
his servants' slave girls. Now, those were the servants of the servants. And not only that, but in, in, that, in, in that society, the slave girls were the lowest of the servants. I mean, she was laying it on thick, right? She was really trying to insult him and mock him and make fun of him. But here's the thing. David was undeterred by her insults. His humility was more than just, hey, I've taken off my kingly garments and I put this linen robe on. It was more than just that. This is what he said to her. He said, I will become even more undignified than this, and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. By these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. See, he wasn't concerned about impressing the right people, right? Um, when he danced before the Lord, he was not doing it as the king. He was dancing before the Lord as a servant. And if the only people that approved of him were the lowliest of the servants, so be it. Now, I want you to understand that that wasn't the case. This picture that McCall painted was not reality. Because in reality, he wasn't naked, half naked. In reality, all of Israel was rejoicing with him. The military leaders, and they had this choir, and everyone was rejoicing. But her view was very distorted, very distorted. Now, when we enter in a worship service, I think we need to think about this. We need to take off our kingly garments. Okay, first of all, I'm speaking metaphorically here, right? Yeah, I don't want people to say, hey, there's this new doctrine at Calvary. You wouldn't believe what they're doing when they walk in the doors. Yeah, I'm talking metaphorically. We need to take off our, 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 our kingly garments. What is that thing that gives us status? What is that thing that makes us something in other people's eyes? Now, understand, those things aren't necessarily bad, right? I mean, we, we learn to respect people whom we should respect and honor people whom we should honor. And, and sometimes we're those people that we receive that honor, and, it, and it's, it's a blessing from God. It's, but we need to take that off when we come into praise and worship because we need to be like David and put on that servant's, the, the, the linen robe of, 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 the, uh, of the Levite, I'm convinced that those who worship and praise all in truly, truly do view themselves with a sense of humility. They're not trying to impress people. They're just trying to please God. Now, humility should not be confused with insecurity or low self-esteem or this, you know, this downtrodden kind of, you know, woe is me, I'm just a worm, I'm worthless. And that, that's, that's really not what humility means. C.S. Lewis in his book, Mere Christianity, made this quote. Now, I, I, bet, I bet many of you have heard this. It's kind of well-known. He said, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Yeah. And I think it seems to me that those to whom, those to whom humility comes the easiest are those who are most confident and secure. Think about that. I really think so. The more confident and secure you are, I think it's easier to be, um, to be humble, to have humility. See, when David uh, re- you know, responded to, to Michal, this is what he said. It was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone his, from his house we, when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people Israel. He was confident in his position that he was a king. Understand this. He was the top dog in all of Israel. He was confident in that. But he also understood in humility it wasn't something he had done. God chose him. 
He didn't take the kingship by force or anything. God, God chose him, and he fully understood this. To praise and worship God with humility, first understand this. You understand who you are in Christ, okay? He loves you so much. He loved you so much that he gave himself for you. Do you understand that? And I don't mean you as a corporate you. I mean you and you and you and you and you and me. Every one of us is individuals. He loved us so much he gave himself for us. You are valuable to God. You are beautifully and wonderfully made. Everyone, look, look at the person next to you and they tell them you're beautiful. Yeah, do that. Now look the other direction and say you're wonderful. Probably the first time you heard that today, wasn't it? But that's how God made us. It's amazing. And you know what? There may be McCalls in your life. There may be. Just pay them no mind. You know, there's always people that, that will want to criticize. Um, you know, there's always the hecklers from the back rows. And just let them go. Let them go. It's, our, it's, it's more important to please God than men. Uh, Got to move on. The next thing. To be an all-in worshiper, don't leave it to the pros. And, of course, when I say pros, you know, it's kind of a little tongue-in-cheek. Most of us up here, most, most people you see up here are volunteers, right? But you know what I mean. Don't leave it to the pros. It wasn't David's job to be a Levite. It wasn't David's job to be a priest. It wasn't David's job to dance. It wasn't David's job to wear the ephod. It was David's job to be the king. And, you know, David could have put this all together, this amazing spectacle, this great procession, and he could have had viewing stands, and he could have sat up there with his crown and his robes, and, and, and no one would have said a word. That would have been just an awesome thing. But, you see, he wasn't satisfied to just simply watch other people do it for him. He wasn't. He not only had to be in the middle of it, he had to be leading the parade. Yeah, you know people like that? Hey, get out of my way. I'm going to get in front. I mean, he, he had to be right there where it was going on. And, and back to this early example, um, back to what I would said about Kierkegaard and his model, you know, with, with the theater. Too often, I, I do think we find ourselves in the congregation um, just acting like we're in the audience. And we're just watching and, we're just, you know, it's, it's, and, and let, let all the people on the, on the platform and stage do their thing. But listen, it's not our job. It's not just worship leaders and, you know, Jenny and the choir and the band and the guitar, you know, everyone. It's not just our job to do this. All of us, all of us are supposed to worship and praise. In First Chronicles, when it tells this story, it says, all Israel brought up the Ark of the Covenant. They all did. No one sits at the sidelines. No one just watches from afar. Everybody gets involved. Let's, let's go to the next, the next point. To be an all-in worshiper, you must praise and worship with all your might. Now, this, I think, is the hallmark of how David lived his life in everything, in, in every regard, all regards. Remember when Saul's army was too afraid to go out and fight this giant named Goliath. His entire army, one man, one giant, his entire army was too afraid to fight him. Nobody would step up to the challenge of the Philistine. And what happened? They had a shepherd boy who had come to bring food to his brothers. Like, what is going on here? Who is this dog that defiles the armies of Israel? And I want to read you something. This is what he says when he finally gets a chance to fight Goliath himself. This is what he says. I love this. 
You come against me with sword and spear and javelin. I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's and I will give all of you into his hands. Whoa, man, that's some serious trash talk. Yeah, I mean, he, he threw it down, but you know what? He backed it up, didn't he? He didn't need a sword. He didn't need army. He just needed, you know, a sling and some rock. Actually, he only needed one rock and the anointing of God. <laughs> man, um, that's the way David was throughout his entire life as we read. He was intense. He was passionate. David was all in. My favorite psalm of David that David wrote um, that reflects this, we sang part of it this morning, and we're going to sing it again at the end of the service, is Psalm 103, verse 1. Um, and, and I just love this. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all, all that is within me, everything, bless his holy name. And you know, it goes on the rest of that psalm, and it talks about all these great things that God had done. And, and you know, when you read that, man, you can't help get up on your feet and get a little excited. Because God is just awesome. He has displayed himself awesome time and time again. But this, this notion of um, let everything within me bless his holy name, I think that's the very essence of what we're talking about this morning. Worshiping all in. This is the very essence of it. Holding nothing back. I, you know, I think God is so pleased. I think he is so pleased when his, when his people worship and praise like that. I really do. In fact, this is how we're supposed to live our entire lives. I mean, Pastor Mark talked about that last week, right? Our whole lives are supposed to be all in. And I want to read you something that, um, that's in Revelation chapter 3. We find a letter to the church in Laodicea. And, and there's this letter, observations, this is what I observe, and this is what you better start doing or better quit doing or else. And here's, here's the part that I want to read. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. That's God's words talking to this church. How many of you like coffee? I like coffee. I do. I love coffee. Doesn't even have to be, I, I don't care about the caffeine, caffeine decaffeinated. Doesn't make any difference. That's not why I drink it. I love the taste of coffee. And I love it hot and I love it cold. And uh, my favorite cold drink, I love an iced Americano with sugar-free mocha in it. Oh, man, it is so good. I just love it. And maybe adding a little extra cream to it. Oh, I just love it. It's just like a, a dessert on ice. I love drinking that. How many of you have ever been working, and you've got your cup of coffee, you've got your mug of coffee, and you're working, 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 and kind of lost track of time, and you're working, and you reach over, grab the cup, and it's room temperature. Oh, man. It's foul, isn't it? It is. It's disgusting. You spit it out. Yeah, I just hate it. I hate that. That's what God is saying to this church of Laodicea. Listen, listen, get hot or cold or else I'm going to spit you out. I think we need to consider that with our praise and worship. Now, 
please, one thing I need to say, when, when, when people talk about this, this scripture, I don't want to lay any condemnation on people. Okay, I fully understand that as you grow in Christ, it's a continuum. A Christian life is a continuum. You get saved, and you're all excited, and, 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 and then you, you're back to real life. And, and as you grow in the Lord, you know, your passion, I think, I think grows. It should grow, right? I mean, you learn more about God. You know, think about those of you who are in relationships and you first saw that person that you're in a relationship with, you know, wow, you're infatuated with them and you get to know them. And, and maybe if you get married, you know, it's, it's, it's like your, your relationship and your passion continues to grow. So if you're in that journey, I don't mean to be judgmental. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about this morning is those who have a lackadaisical attitude about God. Those are the lukewarm ones that God says, I'm going I'm to spit you out. And I think in our worship, we can be like that. We can be real lackadaisical. We come in. We're not focused. We're really not passionate. And, and I think instead of worship and praise being pleasing to God, which it should be, I think it's just a bad taste in his mouth. David lived 1,100 years before John. But I think he really understood something that John wrote about. And it's this interaction Jesus had with a Samaritan woman at Jacob's well. In the fourth chapter of John, we read this story. Jesus and his disciples were traveling, and they stopped at Jacob's well. Jesus was tired, so he said, I'm going to sit down here. The disciples left him, went into town to get food. A Samaritan woman comes by herself in the middle of the day to get water, and Jesus strikes up a conversation with her. And in the course of that conversation, they start talking about worship. And the Samaritan woman wanted to talk about the differences between Jewish worship and Samaritan worship. She, she wanted to talk about the fact that their fathers had worshipped on Mount Gerizim, while Jews said that they should worship in Jerusalem. Now, the Samaritan temple on Mount Gerizim was gone it had been destroyed like 200 years before by the Jews. Okay, so this was a really, really touchy subject for them to be talking about. And this is where I want to jump in here. This, um, the fourth chapter of John, the 21st verse, 21st verse says this. This is, this is Jesus. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. I think worshiping in spirit reflects what David was saying. When he's, when he's talking to himself, he says, Oh, my soul, let everything within me, you know, bless his holy name. I think that's the kind of thing David was saying. Um, these are the type of worshipers it says the Father seeks. In fact, not only does the Father seek them, but Jesus said, um, it says God's worshipers must, must worship in spirit and in truth. This kind of worship transcends physical actions. It transcends, hang on, style of music, Yeah. It transcends, like, like they're talking about in, in, in this uh, discourse, it, it transcends where 
you're worshiping, it transcends all of that. It's something deep, deep within it. Worship that is done in spirit and in tr- or in spirit is a deep, deep communication between the worshiper and the object of that worship, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's passionate. It's intense. That is all in worship. Finally, or next. <laughs> Got your hopes up there, didn't I? <laughs> next. All in worship is fueled by a passionate love of God. Yeah. The Gospels of Matthew and Mark both recount this story about Jesus declaring the first and greatest commandment. It's interesting, when Jesus did that, he didn't rattle off one of the Ten Commandments. He didn't. He went instead to Deuteronomy 6.5, and he said, The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is where everything, everything starts for the Christian. Loving God with the entire being. You know, throughout the history of humanity, there have been a lot of religions that have required its adherence to worship. And a lot of those religions, they are worshiping out of fear. Now, when I say fear, I'm not talking about... um, like a godly fear that's inspired by awe and wonder and this understanding of how all-consuming our God is. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a, a, a dread, a fear that is more like a dread. I mean, even if you go back to Canaan, back when the Israelites were coming into the land, I mean, there were gods that demanded sacrificing their children. What kind of worship is that? That's a worship out of fear. See, that's not how God wants his relationship with his creation to be. He wants us to love him. He wants us to do everything that we do out of love. Um, Everything, our worship, our praise, our service, our faithfulness, our obedience falls in place after we love God. And in essence, that's also the same reason he gave us free will. I mean, right? I mean, God could have made us us robots, right? And we just were programmed just to, to serve him and to be good not sin, not break any rules. That's not what God wanted. God wanted his creation to love him. And that's where it's got to start with our worship and our praise. He wants us to do it voluntarily out of that love. Now, as Pastor Mark mentioned last week, those of you who were able to be here last week, that's going to change someday. When Paul wrote to the Philippians, he told them that someday, this Jesus who has humbled himself and become a servant Someday, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of the Father. Someday, the person who is most vehement about denying Christ, who thought he didn't exist or is an atheist or someone who follows another religion, someday that person's person's knees will bow and he or she will confess that Jesus is Lord. Now is the time to worship, Not, not then. Now's the time for us to worship out of love and out of free will. Finally, yeah, really this time. (laughs) All-in worship is done properly and in order. 
If you remember back to, um, as I was telling the background of our story today, the background, um, you know, the first time David tried to bring the ark into Jerusalem, they put it on an ox cart, and, you know, the, the result was a man died. I mean, it was disastrous. He wasn't following instructions that God had given him very clearly. And if we had time to study the ark more, you know, we could talk about why God had said things to be done in a certain way, but we don't have time for that today. The point is, he did it in an improper way, and he didn't do it in order that God had had specified. It was only after David did it in the right way, in the correct manner, that God blessed him. And they had this beautiful, amazing celebration, you know, and it was great. In 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter, Paul talks to the Corinthian church about doing things properly in order. Now, we've, we've gone through this chapter a few times, hit, hitting it and doing, reading some verses, studying some verses in our last series on the Holy Spirit, you know, on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. So we've, we've gone over some of this stuff in the last few weeks. But I think it's very pertinent to bring it up right now. In particular, Paul gives instructions on how the gifts of speaking in tongues and of prophecy are to be um, used in a church service. And this is what he says in the 23rd verse. So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and inquirers or unbelievers come in, will they not say you are out of your mind? But if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they are convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all, as the secrets of their hearts are laid bare. So they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. One of the first things I notice in this passage is God is seeker-sensitive, isn't he? Yeah, some of you laugh. That's kind of a buzz, a buzzword, buzz term in, in, in churches for the last, what, 15, 20 years about being seeker-sensitive. Seems like God is seeker-sensitive. He doesn't want people to come in. This translation calls it an inquirer. Sounds a lot like a seeker, doesn't it? He doesn't want that person to come in and think, you guys are nuts. You guys are crazy. Um, Paul goes on in the rest of that chapter, and, and he gives some very specific, very pragmatic instructions on how things are to be done in order, and, and I think it's, it's good for people to read that. Here's the thing. We think that what we do here at Calvary Church in praise and worship is biblical, and we think we do things properly and, and, and uh, in order. We will never ask or encourage behavior that, that we think is inappropriate, and here's what I want to ask you. If you think we ever do, I invite you, come talk to me, come talk to Pastor Mark, because that is not our desire. We are so intent on following the Word of God and doing things according to Scripture. Now, as I was reading this passage a year and a half ago, I've told this story before, but I'm not going to apologize for that, because I'm telling you, I am so passionate about what I'm about to say. I'm so passionate about this with, with every fiber in my being. God drew my attention to the last half of verse 25. It says, so he will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. And I, God about knocked me out of my chair. Uh, it was my day off, and I was at home reading, and about spilled my coffee. <laughs> it was hot. Um, and God spoke to me. Oh, man, so clearly. You know that you have these few times in life where you just think you hear from God so, so clearly. And he said, this is how 
praise and worship should be at Calvary Church. The unbeliever, the seeker, will come in and they'll look around and say, surely God is in this place. And since then, this has been my vision. Vision of worship at Calvary Church. When a person who is not a Christ follower joins us in worship, they will say, God is really among you. And here's the thing. I think if we all, and no, I'm not from the South. You all, we all. Firmly, I firmly believe that if we decide to worship and praise all in, this is going to happen. Amen? We're going to see this happen. Do you want that? Tell me. Do you want this to happen at Calvary Church? Yeah. Come on. Give God praise. Oh, Lord. One more thing I want to mention before we leave. Um, remember back, I read the passage of Jesus talking to the Samaritan woman. One of the things he said to her was, you Samaritans worship what you know not. Now, I think in, in a crowd this big, this many people gathered together, I'm guessing that there are people here today that you came in here and you watched what was going on, you know, you, you read the, the lyrics and you sang with us, maybe you clapped or whatever, and you kind of praised and worshiped with us, but you were praising and worshiped somebody you don't know. Maybe you looked around, you know, people worshiping and singing around you, and they were standing, clapping, maybe shouting, maybe with tears in their eyes. And you realize that they have something that you don't. You know, Jesus said that at that day, and he was talking about, you know, the end of the world. He says at that day there's going to be a lot of people who say, Lord, Lord, we did this stuff for you. He's going to say, never knew you. And if you find yourself today, if you know if you've listened to this and thinking, yeah, I, I, I don't get it. I don't feel any of that. I don't sense any of that. I see it in the people around me, but I don't get it. And you don't know the person that we've been worshiping and praising. I want to let you know that today you can know God as well through, son, through his son, Christ Jesus. This is what the Bible says. If we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. You can do that today. You can do it today. Um, you, can re you can begin a new journey and walk out of here with a marvelous change of perspective and attitude and walk out of here knowing the God of all creation in a personal way. Yeah. Let's, let's bow our heads. I want to ask you right now, every, every head's going to be bowed. If, if, this strikes a, if this strikes a chord with you and you can say, man, I do that. I come in, I praise, I clap my hands, I do whatever, but I don't really know God. I don't, I've never decided to plunge all in and become a Christ follower. I'm praising and worshiping that which I do not know. And I want to change that today. I want to change that today quickly. I'm not going to spend a lot of time. Quickly raise your hand. Raise your hand quickly. Yes, I see that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, I see that. Anybody else? Yeah, you can put your hand down. Anybody else? Quickly. Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray together. And, 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 sir, I want you to pray this with us. I don't want to single anybody out. So we're going to pray this together. Repeat after me. Dear God, I want to find what others in this room have found. I know that. 
like everyone in this room, I'm guilty of sin. And like everyone in this room, I need a Savior. I want to live a new life in Jesus. Change my heart to be more like you. Fill me with your joy and peace. Help me to be all in for him who died for me. Thank you for this amazing gift. Amen. Come on, give God praise. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you, God. Yeah. Oh, hallelujah. Let's all stand together. Can the praise, can the, uh, I'm sorry, the prayer teams, you know who you are, prayer teams? You can come on down, please, very quickly. If you have a need today, you want to be prayed for, and if you're a person that raised your hand and you want to talk to someone about it, please come down, pray with these people. They're here to do that. Um, we're going to sing this song one more time, Psalm 103. Listen, I'm going to challenge you. I am so passionate about this. When we come into a service, Sunday morning or Sunday night, Praise and worship God with everything within you. Let's be all in worshipers because I think when we do that, the lost, the unbelievers, unchurched people are going to come in and say, God is, a, God is in this place. He's among you. I believe that with everything within me. So Jenny, lead us, lead us back in the song and get Psalm 103. And after, after we're done, you can be dismissed.